I'm not big for tofurkey. Anybody ever had tofurkey? It's a turkey made out of tofu. You can actually get them. Anybody here having one of those? Because we'll pray for you after the service. Carve a turkey out of spam. That's uh... Anyway, um, everyone loves a good meal. We all love a good meal. I love Thanksgiving. I love Christmas. I love my wife's cooking. My wife is a fabulous cook. She's a chef. And uh, I am her sous chef. Chop this. Cut that. Slice that. We need that. And I love it. It's a lot of fun. That's what we, that's what we do. But the Bible speaks of a, of, a, of a meal we can all partake in. Every believer can partake in a meal that lasts. Yeah. A, a, a long-term meal. We were invited to a dinner some, a couple years ago now. And it was one of those places, it was a restaurant here in town, and they just invited you out of nowhere. And then you were seated with somebody, and you got to know them, and it was a seven-course meal. Just kept going and going and going. And I still remember that. Three years, I remember it. It was a good meal. We all have a favorite restaurant, probably. You know, one that's pretty dependable. You can count on they're going to give you a good meal. We all like a good meal. Even if it's a spam turkey, Sid. Is that what's on the menu at your house for Thanksgiving? Because if it is, I'm coming for Christmas instead. <laughs> so I want you to think just for a second before we get too far. Think about a favorite meal you have. Most of us are probably on Thanksgiving theme, but you have other favorite meals. What do you enjoy? What brings enjoyment into your life? There's a lot to be said about food and friends. You know, good food makes for good friends. Breaking bread together. Well, the Bible does talk about us being able to eat a meal that's long-lasting, that, that has a long-term effect different long-term effect than Mexican food, but a, a, a long-term effect. Proverbs 13, in verse 2, it says, From the fruit of our lips a man will enjoy good things. That means the words that you're sharing today, you're going to get fruit from that down the road tomorrow, the next day, maybe a ways down the road. That's why I've always believed it's very important to speak to one another in terms of, uh, I love to call other men mighty men of God. I just love to call them that, even when they're this size. Vic remembered it. He was about this size, I think. 
Uh, he was about that tall. And women, the women in this church are virtuous women of God. That's what the Bible says. And so why not say, let the fruit of your lips be what the Bible is telling you is a good thing to say. So I want to eat good fruit down the road. I, I want the women of this church to go away from here going, I really love the pastor and his wife because he speaks the truth. And I'm not saying truth like way up here in, this, in the ethers type truth that we're trying to figure out, you know, that you're, you're looking for some meme that will explain it to you on Facebook. But truth that is where God lives in you. And God says to you, you are a virtuous woman of God. You're His. And He has placed His virtues in you. Proverbs 18 I'm going to read that one out of the New Living Translation. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 18. In verse 20, wise words satisfy like a good meal. Amen. We all like a good meal. Wise words are important. The right words bring satisfaction. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Amen. Goes on to say something Further, the man who finds a wife finds a treasure and he receives favor of the Lord. Yeah. Now, husbands, I say this to my wife every so often. Man, I've found a good thing. I'll look at her. I'll say, I found a good thing. I used to do it a lot more often. I'm speaking to myself. I'm preaching to myself here. Yeah. Get, get with the program, Mark. Because she gave me the look. Like... <laughs> Yeah, you might be preaching this, but I haven't heard it all that often lately. <laughs> That's one thing about when you share from up front and yeah. you go home, you're held accountable a lot more. So, <laughs> But your words speak life or they speak death. Now, we're a family, the family of God and members in particular, but as a church family, you know, find something through prayer, through meditation, through talking to the Lord about your church that you like, yeah. your family, and speak those things, say those things, share those things. You know, there's nothing worse, from my perspective, than you leaving here going, you know, that pastor, I didn't, I didn't care for him. Did you hear him say this and this and that? See, I'd prefer you not to do that. I'd prefer that you find something that you enjoyed and say that. Because I'm going to say things that you could easily take away from here and go. Pfft. 
The first message I ever heard preached, the night I got saved, that guy got up, that pastor of that church got up, told a joke, and he laughed at it louder than anybody else. And I said, what an ego. I do not like this guy. Within 30 minutes, I had surrendered my life to Jesus. Something changed. The guy got up and probably said something very similar, had the same ego. It didn't change in 30 minutes. And I went, wow, what a wonderful guy. I really like him. But words can bring life. They can bring death. Words can bring healing into a situation, or they can be like the stab of a sword. They can be like a warm campfire that you're enjoying, or they can be like a wildfire that goes unchecked, that grows every minute. Words are so important. James, the book of James in chapter 3 has a lot to say from verses 1 through 18. Write that down. You can read it all later. But the essence of it is no man can tame the tongue. Well, what am I supposed to do then? Surrender to the Lord. I prayed a lot over my tongue when I first got saved, I'll tell you. It says the froward mouth. The, the mouth that opens and speaks later is going to eat those words, you know. And, uh, and uh, you know, I, I, uh, I had a lot of changing to do when I surrendered my life to Jesus. And, uh, but no man can tame the tongue. Well, what, what are we supposed to do then? How do we go about this? How do I go about changing my terminology, changing the words I speak, the way I speak, the attitude I speak from, the heart I have towards that. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we can be sweet sometimes. Oh, I, I, but if the heart is far from that, it doesn't, doesn't do much. I believe that's why the Bible goes on to say, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if I'm meditating on the right things, we're going to look at what the right things are, uh, then my speech will follow. And when my speech follows or my words follow, down the road, I'm going to go to the best restaurant in town and have a great meal from those words. How was that Evangelo's uh, lasagna and meatballs? Good? It's gone. <laughs> in Proverbs... Again, 15, verse 1. Here's one way to do it. It says a gentle answer. We'll turn away wrath. Somebody's angry at you. We, we heard that today. Vic was talking about, I think it was from personal experience this week, about somebody flipping you off, giving you the bird. 
And he was saying, bless him, you know. I've seen his driving. I think it probably happens more often than he lets on. <laughs> A gentle response. Proverbs 12, 18 says, thoughtless speech is like stabs of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. So the Bible has a lot to say about what we speak and how we say it. So taking control over the words you speak. I'm going to take a minute here to talk about complaining, fault-finding, and negativity leads to more. When you get into a condition and you begin to condition yourself to just complain about life, complain about things, uh, complain about the weather. Oh, today, Eeyore. How many know who Eeyore is? <laughs> it's a blustery day. But when you were complaining or were finding fault all the time, I, I remember years ago somebody told me that a couple came into the church and they told, told me, well, we have the gift of finding the problems in the church, finding the faults in the church. I said, that's not a special gift. We all have that. <laughs> and negativity. It leads to more. It literally can become an obsession in one's life and become an addiction. Now, I've traveled around the country in different locations and been in different places. I believe that there's spiritual strongholds, and some of those spiritual strongholds holds, hold that area and those people in bondage. You can go to a certain area, and they'll always be taught, oh, I'm so sick, everybody's sick. And you go, well, I stubbed my toe. I did too. In fact, I stubbed all ten. And, you know, it goes on and on and on. That's a spiritual stronghold, people. How do you break a spiritual stronghold? You don't go into that place, that location, and simply say, I bind you, Satan. I got your number, Satan. No, you bind it by what you do with your life. And then he has no hook in you. He can't hook you. That's how you do it. It's really hard. When you're in a spiritual area and everybody's complaining, it's really hard not to start complaining. I love roller coasters, but I don't want to live on one. I don't want today to be up and tomorrow to be down. I want my life to be set And I want it to just, you know, I, I like to fly at 38,000 feet, a lot less turbulence. That's the sweet spot, 38, 39,000 feet. You get below that, a lot of bumps, a lot of ups and downs. I guess people that flew into Anchorage last week, our kids came in. Uh, during that 75-mile-an-hour gust coming through Anchorage, they said it was... Uh, bumpy. 
And they had just come from a week at Disneyland, and they understood what's bumpy. <laughs> we came in one time a couple years ago, and I mean, we dropped, dropped, to where everybody on the plane screamed. You know, it's a unanimous scream. Ah! I felt really out of place. I didn't scream. I literally thought, wait a minute, I have a Groupon for dinner I haven't used. <laughs> I'm serious. I thought, what's wrong with me? How many know it's hard to break an addiction? How many know it's difficult to break an obsession, something you're obsessed with? You don't even see it. People that are obsessed with something don't realize they're obsessed with it. Yeah, I'm going to let you in on a little something this past week. I was talking to my psychiatrist, and uh, I said, I'm hearing voices. And you know what my psychiatrist said? She said, you don't have a psychiatrist. That's an obsession. Hearing those voices. Hearing continual complaining about life. Always finding fault in something about life. Finding fault in your partner. Finding fault in your, your kids. Finding fault in the government. Finding fault in the president. Finding fault. Oh, man, I'll tell you, there's no end to it. And it wouldn't take anything at all to find the faults because they are there. But there are places where there are spiritual strongholds that specifically lend themselves to that type of thing. And usually when you get there, if you really wait on the Lord and discern it, it's usually a very religious area. It's not like it's devoid of religion. It's usually very religious. In fact, sometimes I've found Christians complain more than the non-Christian, the non-believer. Yeah. How do you take control? How do you have dominion? You know, we're called to have dominion. You know, this carnivore night that we have for the men, the idea behind that whole thing is that in the beginning, God created man in his image and gave him dominion. And it's to take men in this generation and move them towards where they become men of God to the point of where they have dominion over their lives. That's a lifelong pursuit, by the way. I had much more dominion over my life the week, I was after, the week after I got saved than I do today. Because yeah. the week after I got saved, I'd conquered everything. Yeah. Now I realize that I have a lot of things yet to be surrendered and conquered to the Lord and have dominion over. Psalm 19:14. let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, God. The words we speak are directly connected to our meditations, our thought life. What, are, what am I thinking about? That's why I think college football is so important. Because I'm not thinking about anything else that. 
except for that idiot coach. He called that play. <laughs> yeah. See, even there you can move into the wrong area, can't you? First uh, Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 10, tells us a little bit of how to enjoy life and see happy days. says this, keep your tongue from speaking evil. <laughs> Philippians 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 8, tells us, whatsoever things are pure, true, honest, just, lovely, of good report, think on those things. Well, where do I find those things in a world today? The best place to look is right here. You know, best place to look. If I don't know what to say, I can look it up in scriptures and I can start saying it over myself. And then I can say it over my family and I can say it over my neighborhood. I can say it over my community. I can begin to say the things that are written in this word and, and, and we'll look at what a few of those things might be. Now, what if you have a valid gripe, a valid situation with somebody? You need, you need to bring some instruction into their life. Well, we can't, we, we, we can't be negative now, brother. You just can't be that way. No, the Scripture gives us precedence on how to handle these things. In fact, if you look at the book of Revelation, Jesus speaking to the church, says, first of all, this is what I like about you. This is the positive things I see about you. These are the things that you're doing well. Oh, affirmation is so important to us. God is continually affirming us. That's why it's so important that we're continually affirming one another and affirming ourselves. But he affirms the church. In Revelation chapter 2, this is what I see about you. This and this and this, and you're doing so well. And then once he affirms it, then he says, but there is this area. There is this one area. It's much easier to receive reproof and instruction if we're open to it, but also if that person is affirming us first, and then it's really hard as a kid, think about this when you're raising your kids, it's really hard as, as a child because they're not aware, they don't have the awareness of what led them to this moment. They're just going along being a kid, much like we still do. But something brought them to this moment when all of a sudden they're met with uh, a sudden reprimand or even things that are hurtful. Oh, you'll never learn. Actually, parents say that kind of stuff to their kids. You'll never learn. What's the matter with you? What's wrong with you? You know what the kid heard? 
what's wrong with me? I'll never learn. Um, but if you bring them along and say, look, you've done this and this and this and this, you, man, that was great. But what you're doing here isn't, isn't working for you, and it's not working for me either. <laughs> and I'm going to show you how it's not working for me. It's called a switch. No, I don't know. I don't, I don't do that. But, <laughs> yeah, we have grandchildren now. It's a whole different area of discipline than when we had children. Uh, i got to share this. i got a few minutes to do it. Uh, we're in Monday's our grandchild day. We go in with our two grandsons and watching them grow up. We're very intentional about spending time with our grandchildren. And uh, our, our oldest, Micah, I think he was five then, and he acted up. And we said, uh, you know, Micah, don't, don't do that. You're doing this, and that's behavior that's not acceptable. And he did it again. He was just kind of in a defiant mode. And I said, uh, we're going to have some time out. See this little corner right here? You don't have to go over there in the far corner. You don't have to go to the room. I just want you to just sit here. Think about... Think about what you can do differently. And so he puts his nose in the corner and he's gone. I mean, I turn like that and he's gone. I'm like, where did he go? I said, Micah, come here. And he's like, what? I said, you stand right here. No. I'm like, okay, I'm confronted with a new issue, a dilemma. I'm confronted with a dilemma here. They're my grandchildren. They're not my direct kids. I don't have the choice. You know, I've got to be, what would their parents do? What would Jesus do? What would their parents do? So I said, no, you're, you're going to stand there with your nose in the corner there for a few minutes and think about this. No. I said, okay, go ahead and do whatever you want. When your mom gets home, I'm telling her everything you did. Boom. I mean, he was there. He was on it. Why? He loves his mother. He wants to be a good kid. He want, you know, we love our Heavenly Father. We want to be good kids. We want to be fruitful. We want to be these things. But we mess up. But there's a way for us to always come back to that place and find a way. Now, in Judges chapter 6, we see God talking to Gideon. Uh, I love this. The Lord comes to Gideon, and he says to them, this is how he begins with Gideon. He says, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. I love that. Because Gideon is not a mighty man of valor in the eyes of the world. And he says, in the eyes of the world, and then he goes on to say, and even in my own sight, I am nothing. In fact, my family's the lowest of all the families in Israel, and I'm the lowest member of my family. And I'm hiding from my enemies, threshing a little wheat to get enough to make some bread. 
And the Lord picks on Gideon out of that. And instead of saying, Gideon, you're an idiot. Get up and do something worthwhile. <laughs> I mean, anybody that knew uh, Gideon kind of expected that's what the Lord would say to him. You know, Gideon, you're an idiot. Get up and do something worthwhile. Quit hiding here. But he didn't. He chose completely something different. He chose to put something in, in Gideon's spirit. And he said, I am with you, Gideon. Yes. Thou mighty man of valor. And even with that affirmation, Gideon argued that point. We all do that. I remember when I first began to minister to my soul and receive affirmation from the Word of God, receive affirmation uh, to, to my spiritual man inside, I would argue that point all the time. Well, I'm not really that. If people really knew me, God doesn't care that people really know me. He says, I already know you, and this is how I feel about you. Gideon, I am with you, thou mighty man of valor. Okay, guys, your exercise this week. One day this week, you rise up, you stumble your way to the bathroom, you look in the mirror, and you go, look at yourself, and you say, the Lord is with me. Amen. I am a mighty man of valor. You say it. Out of the fruit of your lips, you're speaking what God is putting in you. You're speaking truth. And when you begin to bring affirmation to yourself, then you're able to give affirmation in life to others. If you don't have it, how can you have something to give? Now, the same for you ladies. I don't know what it's like to be a lady. I used to feel I was a woman trapped in a man's body. But then I was born. No, I got that wrong. I used to feel I was a man trapped in a woman's body, but then I was born. That's it. I'm working on the dyslexia thing here too, by the way. If you don't know where to begin, if you don't know how to do that, start with the book of Psalms. You see in this book of Psalms, the psalmist so many times is speaking to himself, soul, bless the Lord, soul. You see, we are made up of three parts, body, soul, and spirit. My spirit already got it. My spirit's on it. It's my, my soul and my flesh that want to, you know, untrained, be crazy. So I got to speak to my soul. Soul, it is not nasty weather out. Don't just sit here and be depressed. It doesn't matter what the weather is. Soul, rise up and bless the Lord. I remember, uh, I... I 
took this very seriously, and I'd be like, bless the Lord, O my soul. This is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice in it. I am one of God's children today. I am a mighty man today. I am called to share the good news and the love of God. I would speak these things to myself, and I'm driving into Palmer, speaking that to myself. I get out to go in the, in the store there in downtown Palmer at the time, and... Uh, <clears throat> And I didn't notice that it was sleeting and windy, which is typical of Palmer. Yeah. Uh, that's probably why I didn't notice it. It's just so typical. But because I was so lifted up in, in my soul, my soul was lifted up. My soul was edified. My soul was built up. And I got out of the car. People are gathered there waiting. And I said, oh, man, what a great day, isn't it? And this lady goes, yeah. And then she looked right at me and said, except for these blankety blank blank demons keep leeching onto my neck. I'm like, and I thought that was bad, but it got worse. She looked at me again and said, you know about demons, don't you? And I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. I know I have authority over them. I know I have dominion over them. I think that's what I read. It was rather uh, eye-opening. And I said to her, I said, yeah, I, I do. I know I have dominion over them. In my mind, I'm forgot, mighty man of God, I am with you. In my mind, in my soul, I forgot. The Lord is with you, man of valor. Go forth. Yeah. Conquer the demonic realm. In my soul, I was withered all of a sudden and going, I hope this works out. <laughs> and she says, she goes on to say, and they imitate my boyfriend's mother. But I know she's dead. And I'm like, oh, okay, I got clarity now. We got a whack job here. Sorry if I'm being too real for you folks. It's just. <clears throat> I didn't know what to do from that point. Boy, this lady started rattling off scripture. I mean, really knew the scripture well. And I said to her, Where did you learn all the scriptures? said most amazing things. She said, I've known the scriptures. And I began to see I was addressing this spirit. Yeah. I didn't know what to do with her, but I told her she could come to our church meetings and she'd get delivered. And she came to our church meeting and didn't get delivered. Eventually, though, she went to our sister church meeting where they're more spiritual than us. She received freedom. She got delivered of this demonic force, uh, demonic depression in her life, and uh, got set free. <clears throat> I 
In Jude chapter 1, verse 20, it says, build yourselves up in faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. I think that's a vital thing to be praying in the power of the Holy Spirit, to be praying in the Spirit. Now, there's a lot of different commentaries you can read on what that means, praying in the Holy Spirit. I personally believe it means praying in tongues. I believe in praying in tongues. As soon as I say that, some of you out there are going to be like, yeah, I don't know. All of a sudden, this meeting just turned weird. Because we got a lot of images. When we talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, we've got a lot of images that come to our mind. You know, snake handlers. I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not a snake handler. I don't like snakes. We got the idea of people's eyes roll back in their head and they fall on the floor. I've seen it happen. I saw on a special on Channel 7, the snake handler thing. You know, I've seen a lot of different things in the name of the Holy Spirit. What I see in this is it says, pray in the Holy Spirit and you'll build yourself up. You'll edify yourself. You'll build up your spiritual man. God has given us a gift. It's called the gift of the Holy Spirit. It is called tongues. You can receive speaking in tongues and not be weird. People that do weird things in the name of the Holy Spirit were most likely people who were going to do weird things anyway. But I believe in the gift of tongues, and I think if you have never received that, you should be asking the Lord about it and talking to him about it, saying, God, I, I want that gift. It says, earnestly desire all these gifts. They're going to help you. They're going to help you overcome. They're going to help you in your life. Paul the Apostle, who wrote much of the New Testament, so I trust him. Do you trust the writings of Paul? He says, he says this, I pray in tongues more than y'all. Now, I don't know if he's talking Texas talk or if he means proper English more than you all. I'm not sure where he's coming from there, but I know the essence of what he's saying is, I pray in tongues a lot, and therefore, because of that, I have a lot I'm receiving in the spiritual realm from God because I'm built up, I'm edified. I have... Uh, Seen some crazy things, though, uh, uh, people filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to judge them. I'm just not going to be around it that much. I mean, occasionally it's fun, you know. I went to a meeting. It wasn't our true group, but, you know, that they all had the Spirit. <clears throat> and I'm like, when does this get over? wasn't very long, though. I found myself going. <laughs> yeah, we just need to loosen up a little bit. The, the part of the body of Christ that likes to do that, you know, they're a part of the body of Christ. God bless them. Except for the snake handlers. I can't, I can't do snake handling. I don't like snakes. No. I was thinking about this. I talked to Sid this week. And he was talking about he believes our pets are going to be in heaven. But for those of you that have pet snakes, sorry, they're not going to be there. Your hamsters, your dogs, everything else, I'm good with. 
No mosquitoes, no spiders, and no snakes. Uh, I do want to leave with that, though. Jesus even said, you will speak with new tongues. Don't be afraid of it. Don't take something that you've learned. See, fortunately, when I got saved, I didn't know anything bad about tongues. In fact, the first time I heard tongues spoken in the church was a tongues and interpretation, and I went, hey, they speak Hebrew here. And my wife said, no, that's tongues. Well, then immediately, right in the midst of that, I was working with another man of, of, of God, and he said to me, he was kind of discipling me, he said, well, stay away from those tongues talkers. They're all into emotionalism. And I said, too late. <laughs> but I have seen it work in an interesting way this way. A friend of ours just wrote a book. It just came out. It's got released on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. It mentions Nancy in the book, and he's sending us a signed copy. Anyway, I've seen, I've seen it at work one time. We were living in a discipleship training center, a disciple, discipling. We called it a commune. I don't call it a commune much anymore because people look at you funny and move away slowly when you say you lived in a commune. You got different ideas, but... It was a communal discipleship center. And this egg ranch, their equipment broke down. They called us up and said, we've got 10,000 eggs you guys can have. We were on it. Yeah. When you live communally, a fresh egg seems like manna from heaven. Anyway... We were on it. So now we had all these eggs. We didn't know what to do about them. They were all cartoned up in dozens. So we decided we're going to go give them away. We're giving them away in, in Mountain View, in Anchorage. And we're going door to door giving away these eggs. And we go to this one door, knock on the door. And the lady comes to the door. And we go, hey, we've got all these eggs. And we're just giving them away. They're good eggs. Would you like some eggs? No English. No English. Close the door. I'm moving on to the next door. This friend Bob, who wrote, just finished writing this book, said, I got it. Knocks on the door again. She opens the door. He just starts speaking in tongues. He just starts speaking in tongues. I'm looking at him going, nut job. <laughs> anyway, suddenly the lady goes, oh. And takes him in her house. You know, so I don't know what to say about that. I'm just telling you an experience. But one of the ways to really defeat and have dominion over negativity, over uh, a critical spirit, over uh, a fault-finding spirit, is to be speaking in this power of the Holy Spirit. And you need to be able to receive the Holy Spirit. Paul, meeting the believers, said, uh, have you received the Holy Spirit since you were baptized? And they said, no, we haven't even heard there was such a thing. He said, well, there is. He laid hands on them, prayed for them. They received the Holy Spirit, said they began to speak in tongues, they began to prophesy, and they went on to be powerful uh, Christians. So, don't be afraid of it. Trust the Lord with it. Don't close your mind to it. Too much out there today. 
Spirit-filled, non-spirit-filled, tongues, no tongues. I tell you, it's a trap because the tongues are there for a reason. God gave them to you as a gift. If you don't want the gift, then you can talk to God about that. It's like if I come to you and I bring you a nice gift and you hand it back to me saying, I don't want that gift. I mean, I'm going, to walk, I'm going to go away with it, but it's going to be difficult. How do I deal with that? I'm not God. He can deal with it differently, obviously, than me. Anyway, I don't want to get too far off onto that. Thank you so much. It's Thanksgiving week. I hope everybody has a wonderful time with friends and family and Thanksgiving, giving thanks to the Lord. I think it's a wonderful thing for our nation to want to set aside a day in which we want to be thankful. And my prayer for this nation is that we will take one day and we will be thankful as a nation and not find everything that can be wrong with everybody in politics or with our president, with our, you know, uh, whatever it might be. Maybe it would be a day where we all stay off Facebook I'll make that commitment if you'll make that commitment. <laughs> and I'm struggling with that. I, I don't have to deal with Facebook, and then all of a sudden I got to see it. And then I go, wow, that ate up 20 minutes. How did that, how did that happen? I could have been praying in tongues. Let's all stand.